Uh, well, I'm back. I'm back from Hawaii, right? Yeah. Yeah. Most common question, where's your tan? Yeah. Now that's good. That's good. But you know what? Going from pasty to bronze takes a little longer than a week. You know what I'm saying? So if you need a little more darkness up here, we're going to have to do some more vacationing, right? Because that's not going to work. This is my tan. So if you're looking at it going, oh, you look a little sick. I know. It's my normal coloring. All right. Well, um, I just want to thank you again. All of you allowed my family and I to have that amazing experience of going out. And to us, it was a once in a lifetime experience because of the ages of our kids is that have 13 and 17 for our daughters to go over there where they can remember what's going on and also connect. My youngest daughter said when we left, she said, I have one regret going back home, and that's that we can't be together 24 hours a day. And it was so cool for us to just be together. We were in a one bedroom, right? So we had the pullout. Two girls shared the bed out there, and we were together all the time. We didn't have a lot of cell phones. We just kind of went out around and did stuff together and sat on the beach and talked about stuff. And that is all due to you and your kindness and your generosity. A bunch of you actually funded that entire trip. And it was so amazing for us. I mean, we did everything from surfing and we saw a, a whale breach completely out of the water, jumping out just from the beach. You could see him shoot all the way out. It was incredible. And so we had a wonderful time and that was due to you. And just as a funny side note, we were on our second to last day and we were in a place in Lahaina called Cheeseburger in Paradise. I don't know if you've ever been there. And uh, we're eating and sure enough, we were just finishing up and I turned around and this guy said, Pastor Lance? And I was like, all right, come on. Like, you are everywhere. Uh, Is it another family of Ridgeway? Hey! they all come in. Anyway, it was just craziness. Uh, just no matter where I've ever gone in the world, I have run into, uh, it happened in Uganda, pastor, you know, yeah, all over the place. So, um, I want to thank you in the same vein. I want to talk a little bit more about an update on some of your generosity. Um, it is not just personal things like that to me. Uh, I got a chance to get a call from Chris Medford, who is our contact. He's the owner of the Chick-fil-A in Santa Rosa, where all the fires were, remember? We did a um, fundraiser for them, and you gave $100,000 to repair. Yeah, isn't that awesome? That's pretty amazing. A hundred grand to invest. And this was our vision. Our vision was it didn't go through a church. It went through a, a, an organization in the community where it was just Christians saying, Jesus sees your difficulty and he would like to minister to you. Now, here's the update. Since then, it's going to take months and months for them to go through and help people with all those funds. But so far, we've had 112 families helped out get back up on their feet. Isn't that amazing? And so that is housing and that is furnishing, stuff like that. Uh, but here's a more amazing statistic he gave me. He said, Pastor Lance, so far five people have given their lives to the Lord just through that. Isn't that awesome? Now that's what I'm talking about. I didn't even, I didn't even imagine, you know, that it would go that far that quickly, right? But the idea that they were hurting and that God said, no, 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 I see you. 
And it doesn't have to go through anything fancy. Let's just go low key, low bureaucracy. Let's just get you the help that you need. Amazing. God is transforming lives through that. Another quick update. If you remember during Christmas, we had the uh, giving to Uganda and Togo, right? So that was the kids for their education and their their food and their uniforms, uh, primarily for their Christian education, their, their Jesus time, right? So you have all these little ones that some of you will never meet. Well, what we felt was that through the message, it was Jesus has brought us peace. We need to bring a tangible help to the world. So we did a text only giving thing during Christmas. Now, we did not allow any other giving outside of that. There was no checks later on. There was nothing. It was locked down to that one tiny few minutes. You as a church gave $26,000 just to bless the kids in Uganda. Isn't that awesome? Now, just to blow your mind one more, 15 grand of that was from one family that said, that's our heart. If those kids need that, that's where we want our, our money to go to. And they ended up writing out through text, $15,000 to take care of children that they may never meet. Uh, To me, that generosity in this church is outstanding. And so I can't thank you enough. Um, One last thing, um, and it's just an announcement. We are in MLK weekend. Y'all, so amen. This is a, this is an important time, right? Um, important time. We got a lot going on this weekend and we're going to be all over the place. I need you to pick one or two. You can go to a mall, but it's a little difficult. Um, I'm going to go to a mall, but that, Hey, that's kind of my thing, right? So I need you to pick one of these. There are three different major events that are going on this weekend. This evening, there is a celebration at Capital Christian Church at 5.30 p.m. This is the big whoop it up. We got the MLK choir coming in. We got a guest speaker. We're handing out awards to people that are helping out minority communities and advancement. There's a lot of stuff going on. It's probably going to go long, right? 5.30 7.30, I'm going to guess 8, okay? 8, 8.30, all right? So Capital Christian Church, they're on Bradshaw on 50 at 5.30 this evening. Tomorrow morning is the march. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this, but there are two different marches that go on in Sacramento. They both unite together. So one starts earlier in a different section of South Sac. That is where Pastor Parnell is going to be leading. He's going to be coming in through that. They come through and meet us at Sac City College at 9 a.m. Sacramento City College at 9 a.m. As they come through, we join in as we've done all these different years. We join in with them and finish out the seven, eight mile walk, right? It's super slow. It's no big deal. Easy for the families to do it. You just got to watch out for the little ones, right? You got to give them a scooter or something. Uh, But when we do the march, there's two things you need to know. Number one, we have uh, these hats in the lobby. Now, these are super cheap hats. They're five bucks. Um, this says, walk with me. The thing that I like most is not only is it unifying, but it says City Pastors Fellowship on it. Now, we're not going to be making these in the future, okay, for City Pastors Fellowship. The fact that it says pastors on it, what it has allowed us to do last year was that we show a sign that Christians showed up. That was the key, is that I'm going to wear my hat. I encourage you, please wear your hat, all right? Um, wear your hat so that we all look like we're coming in mass from the church to say we care about this issue. We care about you. We care about what's going on in your world because it's our issue 
as well as your issue if you don't necessarily align or know everything about it, all right? So number one, it's very important to show up. Make sure you have your hat on. Number two, the mood needs to be met. And so I want our church to come through and demonstrate yourselves well. So here's the deal. It is wonderfully appropriate, smiles, hugs, loving on people, conversation, all that is beautiful. What is not is that when you finally find your friends, you're high-fiving, you're screwing around, we need to remember what event we're walking in. What event we're walking in is this is a joyful but also solemn concept of saying, y'all, the work's not done. There's a lot more that needs to happen in our nation and we wanna take it seriously. So the best thing to do on the walk is partner up with people you don't know as you're walking and talk about deep things on God's heart. Lord, what do you desire for our nation? Lord, what do you desire in terms of loving on people? Lord, what do you desire in terms of unity? Lord, what do you desire, right? These are the conversations and then that environment becomes more rich, right? All right, last thing. On Monday night after the march, that evening at five o'clock, there is another celebration that is at St. Paul Missionary Baptist Church. That's also in the South area. St. Paul Missionary Baptist Church, big, beautiful church. Bishop Parnell, our very own, is going to be the keynote speaker at that celebration. So that may be one that you wanna go to because we all know he's brilliant, he's awesome, right? He's our buddy. So you may wanna go support him. Doesn't mean you have to go to all three of these. Just pick one and make sure when you're there that you are incredibly loving and make sure wherever you go, you have the aroma of Jesus coming off you. Amen? Amen. All right, let's take our Bibles out and the handout sheet that was given to you at the front door and we can begin. Welcome to 2018, the year of wisdom. We just came off the year of purpose. As you know, if you're, unless you're brand new, we do yearly themes here at Bridgeway. And what we do is we select out books of the Bible that primarily focus on those areas or are something that the Holy Spirit has led us to track on. And last year, it was the year of purpose. What we were focusing on was, Lord, you built and designed us very uniquely. What is our purpose and how do we live intentionally towards that end? This year, we're going to take a step back and blow everything up and say, God, what's going on? What is happening in our world? What am I here for? What is really the reality of what you've got going on? Because I don't think that we are operating on truth on a daily basis. I think most of us are operating on assumption and we've got a bunch of things wrong. We are going to, in a funny way, internally refer to this year of wisdom as the year of the upside down. The year of the upside down, what do I mean? Jesus did it all the time. He took everything people thought, flipped it upside down. Hey, you have always heard that you're supposed to be the big, bad, brightest, dominant one. I'm telling you, unless you become like a little child, you're not even getting into the kingdom of heaven. He said, you have always heard that you should lord it over others. I tell you, in my economy, the greater your title, the greater the servant. You better serve all. You have heard that all you need to do is watch your actions. I'm concerned about your mind and your thoughts. Y'all following me? Jesus kept doing the upside down, upside down, upside down. Everything they thought he would challenge and he would remake and redesign and say, you missed my heart. 
You miss my heart on that. You miss my heart on that. Even the sacrificial system, the blood of bulls and goats was never going to atone for sin. It was always going to need a savior, things like that. So be ready this year to get your cages rattled right? What we're going to do is we're going to challenge the status quo. We're going to run into controversial issues. We're going to try to dispel lies and have an awful lot more clarity. But when you have clarity, it means you have to do something different about it. And I know a lot of us don't like change, but I'm going to lay it out for you the entire year for you and let you know what you're about to walk into. It's very precious, but let me tell you why that is so crucial. The lies that we are walking in are really affecting our lives. Let me give you an example. Let me give you a couple of these that I want to clarify. Number one, the enemy is not winning. Through the portions of this world have grown darker, the kingdom of God is advancing. Let me give you an example. I was in a leadership conference back in 1999 for seminary. And a man by the name of Leith Anderson came in and spoke to us and he said this. He said, everyone is amazed about Pentecost, that at the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people got saved. He said, and we always look, oh, if we could only go back to that day, if we could only go back to that day. He said, do you realize that worldwide we are having a Pentecost a minute? God is advancing. You may look in your neck of the woods and it may look like the enemy is winning. Let me tell you, worldwide, our God is dominant. Worldwide, our God is winning. We need to take that and turn it upside down and start having a little bit more hope, a little bit more faith, a little bit more confidence. Yeah? All right, let's keep moving. The goal of life is not, contrary to what you hear, amassing more stuff and getting more people to like you. It is living for the glory of God and joining him in something far more fascinating than that. Amen. Amen. Next one. God is good all the time, despite the pain and suffering you see all the time. God is good. Christianity is not about politics or being a better Republican or being a better Democrat. Pastor Sam says it this way. It's not the party of the donkey or the elephant, but the lamb that matters. Y'all following me? Boom. Here we go. Next one. Our nation doesn't need to be so divided and so hurtful. Why? Because we're here. The body of Christ was put here to be salt and light in the world. We are the answer and solution and the salve and the hope. That's why it shouldn't hurt as bad as it hurts right now. Are we part of the problem? Something's got to change. We have to be part of the solution. Lastly, the future is not uncertain. It is clear to God, (laughs) right? But since he's the captain of our ship, he's the only one that really needs to know where we're going. All the rest of us are like, wow, this is a terrible way to go. I don't know why you would go this way, right? But he knows what he's doing. We need portions of our world and our worldview turned upside down. We need to start looking at things a little bit different. Man, this year is about entering into the real. God has gave us more power. God gave us more strength. God gave us more hope. But for the real things, we are living lies and getting stressed out over them and they don't matter. Man, we keep spending our energy on stuff that's not real. 
We've got to enter into the real. Now, in order to do that, from this stage, from this pulpit, we are going to, and I say we, meaning Pastor Parnell, Pastor Brian, myself, and our teaching team. We are going to bring to you six series this year. Five of them will go through books of the Bible. I'm going to lay those all out to you right now, but this is what you need to know. This is a year of invitation. It is not okay and cool for you to come to church by yourself anymore. We are now needing to look around us and say, who do we love? And who do we need to love our Jesus? This is the year of invitation. Every series is designed with someone that doesn't know Jesus in mind. Every one of these series is deep. Every one of these series is powerful, but it's going to answer questions that not only Christians want to know the answer to, but non-believers want to know the answer to. Here's the deal. I think you and I should be ministering 24 hours a day to everyone that doesn't know Jesus in our own lives. But right now, this year, the church is going to partner with you. We want you to bring them here if you love them. And we will partner with you in trying to open up their eyes and their hearts to what God is whispering to them. And that is his love and his forgiveness and his insight. Amen? Let me lay them out for you. Next week, we launch our very first series called Knowing God. It is through the book of Job. We have never taught the book of Job here. I've been here 20 years. I've never taught it. What I'm doing is deconstructing the entire book, pulling it all apart and putting it back together into eight categories. We are going to go through those and answer questions about who is God? What is God all about? What is this world all about? It is a series asking the big questions of the meaning of life and what is going on. If you have anyone in your life that has that need and that question, you need to bring them. Second series, we're going to be going through the book of Habakkuk. If you can spell it, you win. Habakkuk, seven-part series answering the questions about why the world doesn't seem fair and why the bad guys seem to keep advancing, right? If that's been a question in your heart, you need to be there at that series. If the question's not in your heart, you need to be there for that series. (laughs) Next series, we have the book of Micah. Seven-part series taught through the book of Micah. Absolutely in a way you have never, I guarantee you, have never heard it taught before. Why? Because it's a book of judgment, and we're going to look at it through the eyes of hope. We're going to turn the book completely upside down because any judgment God ever brings is to protect his children. And I don't think we ever see that. We're going to see God as a protector and a God of hope through a very difficult book. We're going to have a two-part series of the book of Philemon. Y'all know the book of Philemon? A man leaves as a slave and comes back as a brother. What happened? And how do we get that mindset, that transformative process to happen every day of our lives? How do we remake one another in each other's, in, in, in God's eyes and begin to allow it to become a whole new type of relationship? That's gonna root out stuff like sexism and racism and all that kind of stuff, yeah? Important? Very important. We are going to close out the year with a 15-part series through the book of 1 John. We're going to walk through it line by line real slow. Why? Because we need to reimagine other people not as commodities to consume or definers of our identity, but they are fellow human beings with dignity and they need respect and they need compassion. Amen? 
We got one more series, and that is a three-week series on money. And you go, well, that's the one I'm going to skip. All right, now, <laughs> let me tell you why you, don't, you better not do that, because we're doing a three-week series. Bishop Parnell will take one. Pastor Brian will take one. I will take one. We're all going to attack it from different directions, and we're going to turn the whole concept of money upside down. We're going to take it from that which was a bad word into a good word, and we're going to start making it as God intended, and we're going to talk about how it advances the kingdom of God and how to use it for Christ's purposes. Amen? Amen. You excited for the year? All right. Praise God. It is going to be good. So let's dig into what we have today. Pastor Brian, can we all appreciate his series the last two weeks? He is such a brilliant and wonderful communicator. And he went through and I, I heard so many different comments. I got a chance to go listen to both messages and I got so many comments. Wow, Pastor Brian knocked it out of the park. He knocked it out of the park. And so I fired him. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I, I didn't do that. That's terrible. When he finished his first session of that series, he said a quote that I wrote down and I wanted to kind of launch off that into what we have for today. He said this, God thinks of his will. We were talking about discerning the will of God. God thinks of his will, not in terms of destination or specific pathways, but he thinks of it in terms of alignment, aligning our hearts with his. If you want to know God's will, walk in his ways, because if you're walking in his ways, you will be in the center of his will. Walk in his ways and he will lead you into his will. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that amazing? All right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take that concept because he was trying to lead us to live courageous and wise lives. We are going to now capitalize on that. So if you take notes, here we go. You might want to be writing some of this stuff down. Here we go. And if you're going to miss it because I'm talking too fast, you're normal. Okay. You're going to have to get the podcast or watch it on Vimeo or something and, and re-watch it back. But here we go. The Bible speaks of two types of wisdom. We need to be very clear on what the two types are. Sometimes we get them confused because books like Proverbs goes back and forth. It specializes in one type, but it does refer to both. So let's go through this. The two types of wisdom are, number one, wisdom of righteousness, wisdom of righteousness. What that means is how things ought to be. It's how God really wants them. It's the moral element. It means there are some things that are right and some things that are wrong. There are some things that are good and there's some things that are bad. There are some things that are good and some things that are best. We want to know the heart of God. The first type of wisdom is wisdom of righteousness versus wickedness. So if you ever see a phrase of saying, be righteous, not wicked, that's the wisdom of righteousness. But there's another type that's in the Bible as well. Probably the one you're more familiar with. That is wisdom of smart living. Wisdom of smart living, meaning smart living versus foolishness. That is the book of Proverbs. It is insight based. It is how things are currently and how to navigate them better. For example, if you read and study the principles of Solomon in the book of Proverbs, you will lead a much more long and successful life. Here's my problem with Solomon. Y'all, he was brilliant. Perhaps 
the smartest man that ever lived. He didn't end well. Y'all remember that part of the story? As a matter of fact, that first wisdom didn't seem to soak into his spirit. He only had the second type. He lived long and he was uber wealthy. He had everything anyone could ever want. Why? Because he was smarter than everybody. He knew how to navigate business. He knew how to navigate the world markets. He knew how to navigate investments. He knew everything about that. And I have no problem with people sharing insights about how I can live longer and how I can be more successful. I got no problem with that. But it better not end there. Because I am less concerned with living a long, successful life than I am living the right, godly life. You see, Solomon fell apart because he was so brilliant at navigating this life, he really didn't focus too much on the next. What I want to do is we're going to touch on both sides of wisdom, both types of wisdom in our year, but we are going to major on the side that speaks of God's heart and what is right. We're going to be focusing much more on the goodness of things and not just what works for us. We want to go deeper. We want to know the heart of God. Here's why I long for wisdom so much and why I want it for you. The most important element is it reveals and catalyzes glory to God. Meaning wise living makes more glory for God, right? Wicked living doesn't. Foolish living doesn't. So wise living emanates glory to God. And that is why we are here to glorify our father. All right. But there's another reason. It's because real stuff gets done through wisdom. The most powerful things in scripture got done through wisdom. And when I get done with this message, you're going to find out why. But let me give you examples. It was by wisdom that Noah rescued his family and humanity through the flood, believing that God's words and God's reality were more real than the fact he had never seen it rain. That's wisdom. It was by wisdom that Joseph became the second in command over Egypt. It was by wisdom that Moses led the people of Israel out of oppression and through an impossible journey into the promised land. It was by wisdom that Deborah led all of Israel in victory and in peace. It was by wisdom that David became the greatest king Israel has ever seen. It was By wisdom that the prophets spoke the words of God and defied the culture of their day. Amen? But I'm not done. It was wisdom that walked Job through the greatest personal catastrophe in biblically recorded history. It was wisdom that guided Jesus Christ in his humanity in perfect obedience to the Father, fulfilling his purposes on earth. It was wisdom that compelled the disciples to live as witnesses of the kingdom of God despite persecution and martyrdom. And it will be wisdom that will open our eyes to see the world, not through physical eyes, but spiritual eyes and unleash insight upon insight of how to navigate our world with righteousness, truth, and power. Amen? That's why I want it. That's why I want it for this church. That's why I want it for you. Because there's more. God has more for us. And we are not taking full advantage of what he has. He has given us everything we need for life and godliness. But we got to live in the real. 
His plans and purposes don't work in fantasy land. They only work in real land. We got to get right back into real land. I'm going to pray the prayer that Paul prayed in Ephesians 1:17 over you at the end of the service. Would you turn there with me? Ephesians 1, 17, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. As Paul was writing to the church of Ephesus, he said this. He said, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what the hope he has for you, the power he has for you, the identity he has for you. That's what I'm going to pray over you. Prepare your hearts for that. Y'all heard the phrase, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What does that mean? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If we want wisdom, we've got to start in the right place, the fear of the Lord. What in the world is the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord is motivated respect. Motivated respect. Because you can have respect for people and it doesn't make a hill of beans a difference to you, right? Right? I mean, don't, I look out and I look and I go, Warren Buffett, billionaire, totally respect him, don't care right? Like that doesn't change my world. Who cares? But I respect him. He's a better businessman, better investor than I am. All right. Praise God. I respect that. doesn't change my life. Fear in a biblical sense is respect that says, I know God is real and that changes everything about me. I respect him. I change my life for him. I make his agenda my agenda. I make his priorities my priorities. I give him my checkbook. I give him my calendar. I give him my heart. I give him my motivations. God is huge and I'm not him. That's the fear of God. Y'all remember when we were little, there were mazes? right? That you kind of go through mazes and, it, and, and, and you started out and you always run into the dead ends and then go back through. Well, whenever you got to the advanced mazes, there were multiple entrances. Do you remember that? Only one entrance was ever going to get you to where you needed to go. Every other one was going to end in a dead end. That's the fear of God. If you don't start right, you're not going to get where you need to go. Let me give you a practical example. Stephen Hawking. Anybody know who Stephen Hawking is? One of the greatest, most brilliant astrophysicists, not just of our time, but perhaps of all history. Smarter than all of us put together. He does not know Jesus. He has written string theories. He's written theories of everything. He's written theories about how the world and universe started and what it really means. And Jesus is nowhere to be found. He didn't start at the right place and he's never going to find truth. I don't want to be limited like Stephen Hawking because even brilliance is never going to get you home. You need God's way. Write this down. Until God is in the right place, all other things can't be. Until God is in the right place, all other things can't be. Man, we got to get Jesus on the right throne of our lives. True wisdom comes from God alone. Amen? Amen. One person thought that was true. (laughs) Fantastic. I want to give you a new concept. And as you are turning to 1 Corinthians 2, verse 7, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 7, 
I want to share this. I'm going to give you a truth today that when you hear it, you're going to go, ah, that makes sense. The oddity is I've never read it anywhere and I've never had it taught to me anywhere. So to me, it is a fresh revelation. So I'm going to give that out to you. And by the end, I hope you will become extraordinarily convinced. Here's the truth. I believe that the primary member of the Godhead, and when I say Godhead, I mean what? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The primary member of the Godhead that dispenses wisdom is the Holy Spirit. I believe he always has, and I believe he always will. So if you want more wisdom, you want more Holy Spirit. Let me explain why. Here we are, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7. You're going to find out that the Holy Spirit is the great revealer of mysteries through wisdom. Here we go. Verse 7. But we, Christians, we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, no eye has seen, nor ear heard, or heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Here we go. Verse 10. These things God has revealed to us through the what? Spirit. For the spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Go to verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we don't hold it to ourselves. We impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. You see, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolish to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Ah, he goes on to say, but we have the mind of Christ. When Jesus Christ put a gift box on your front porch that said salvation, you were pumped. You opened it up and you started finding that it was not just one gift, it was multiple gifts. There was so much stuff in there. You know, each one had the little wrapping paper around it and you kept opening them. The first one you opened was forgiveness and you were like, dang, right? And then you opened up grace and you opened up mercy and you opened up all this incredible stuff. Well, once you got the majority of it, you kind of went, wow, I feel pretty overwhelmed. And you put the lid back on the box and said, I'll look at that stuff later. There's more stuff in the box. You want to know one of the things that is in the box that you probably haven't even opened yet? Supernatural, spiritually discerning eyesight. Now, this is super cool. It totally sounds like you save a couple box tops, mail away, get the, the specs of all-seeing x-ray vision. You know what I'm saying? It sounds pretty cool. Very superhero-y. <laughs> Spiritual discernment. I'm about to blow your mind. Do you realize that you have an ability the world does not have? That if you are a son and daughter of God, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. If the Holy Spirit dwells in you, he gives you the ability and illuminates things other people can't see. And you go, yeah, that sounds pretty deep. No, it's huge. Here's why. Because the Bible says that God the Father is talking. The Bible says that Jesus, the good shepherd, is talking. And we should be able to hear his voice. 
The Bible says we know the voice of our shepherd. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is constantly guiding us. And I mean literally. Like Paul said, I wanted to go minister up north. And you know what? The Holy Spirit blocked me. How do you do that? By discernment and revelation. He tried to go east. What happened? The Holy Spirit blocked him. He already came from the south. He had nowhere else to go. He was on the edge of the seashore. And that's when the Holy Spirit gave him a vision. He had to go to Europe. The only reason we're sitting in this church today is the Holy Spirit revealed it to him. I am telling you, you can see things. You can hear things that the world isn't going to hear. They're all going to look at the same stuff, but they're going to hear and see different stuff. What do I mean? When Jesus was walking through the fields and he saw a mustard tree, everybody saw a plant. He pulled the seeds off, said, if you have faith like this, you can move mountains. And you go, well, that was just an analogy. When everyone else in science said that liquid can't support the body weight of a human being, Jesus saw different. And out he walked on the water and he called his buddy out as well. What I'm telling you is that you will see and hear things the world can't see and hear, but you've got to act on them. Here's what I mean. I want your antenna up after this. Everywhere you go, every song you hear, listen for the Holy Spirit. Well, I'm not really listening to godly music. You think that matters? God uses donkeys. Man, he can talk through everything. You throw on that song and I'll hold the whole world hears a beautiful melody. You know what you just heard? God was telling you something. He is in every bit of music. He is in every bit of art. He is in everything. Now, sometimes his message is, wow, this is a dumb song. <laughs> that may well be the Holy Spirit's message right through that one. Okay. But he's still talking. He may look at that art and go, wow. Uh, clearly a one-year-old did that okay but he's speaking whenever you're listening to conversation the lord is pinging things for you he's tracking on things and he's revealing it to you are we listening he's given us the revelation he's given us the insight now the trinity has always been involved father son holy spirit involved in creation involved in the rebirth being born again but i believe that the primary revealer of all wisdom is the Holy Spirit. Here's the funny thing. You knew that. If I say the Bible, who's it represent? What member of the Godhead? You're going to say Jesus. Why? Well, because we look at the Bible as truth, right? As we should. We have a very high view of scripture at Bridgeway. When we look at the Bible, we remember that Jesus' best friend, John, started out his book with what? In the beginning was the? And the word was with God, and the word was God. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus said, man, y'all missed it. All the way through the Bible, it's always talking about me. I'm the main point. And you go, well, that's why I believe that the Bible is the revelation of the second person of the Trinity. And you're right, kind of. Because when Paul the Apostle laid out the armor of God, he said that the Bible was the sword of the... Oops. Wouldn't you be the sword of the Son? It was the sword of the Spirit. Why? Let this blow your mind. Jesus said, it's better I go away. Do you remember? How devastating was that to the disciples? 
What do you mean? You're my everything. You're my savior. You're my best friend. You're my hero. You're my comforter. You're my counselor. What are you talking about, Lord? He said, it's better I go away because another one's coming. The Holy Spirit's coming. Why did he say that? Here's why. Because he said, first of all, kids, I got to finish my job here. And when I get done, I'm going to kick it over and allow him to do what he does. That was the first thing. But here's the, the key part for today. And I think this is super powerful. Hey, kids, the father has something to say. And I am the embodiment of the message of the father. I am truth incarnate. I am all the facts you're ever going to need to know. That's what Jesus said. What's the problem with that? Facts alone can't get you to heaven. Do you realize that there are people all over the world that are historians and they are experts in Jesus Christ and they are not saved? Why? Because no one comes to the Father except the Holy Spirit draws them. You have to be illuminated. You have to be quickened. You have to be born again. And Jesus dying on the cross was the first portion. The Holy Spirit brings the regeneration. In other words, you can have all the facts, but you need the wisdom to start connecting the facts. Jesus said, it's better that I go. So then you'll get it. It's better that I go because the Holy Spirit's going to be preaching and preaching and preaching to you. He's going to be talking to you from morning until night. He's going to reveal everything I am, everything that I've said. He's the one that will instruct you and then your lives will change. Man, we need more of the Holy Spirit. Now, he has always been involved in everything, but as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all equal, they have different roles. The Father initiated the plan of redemption, the Son carried it out, and the Holy Spirit made it legit, right? Now, but I still believe each and every one of them have different roles and functions. I'm going to give you the three roles and functions the Holy Spirit plays in Scripture. You ready? We're closing this out fast. We're hitting it hard. Here we go. Three areas. Number one, the most common that we know, power. Power. You all know that. I mean, we go into the period of the judges, and the Holy Spirit came upon Samson, and what happened? Kablam! Things get pulled, pulled apart, right? Rip the lion in two, rip the gates off the thing. Holy Spirit is the, the spirit of power. Did it end in the Old Testament? No. Why? Acts 1.8, Jesus said this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. What, you think the Holy Spirit's done? No way. He's just getting rolling. Number two role, prophecy. You all know this. Thus saith the Lord, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, right? All these guys, every time it says they prophesied, it says, and the spirit of God came upon them and they prophesied. Is there any reason why prophecy was part of Pentecost? No, Holy Spirit showed up. What does he do? He prophesies. Why? Second Peter one twenty one. No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit spirit. Y'all tracking? You go, well, maybe that all ended. No. Prophecy, Joel 2, 28. In the end times, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and daughters will prophesy. It's still rolling. Third roll. This is the one we're going to close out on. Wisdom. Power, prophecy, wisdom. Power, prophecy, wisdom. The Holy Spirit was the power and wisdom in the life of Jesus Christ. 
He got anointed by the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, revealed. Listen to this messianic prophecy through these new eyes and ears. You can't listen through your eyes. Please listen through your ears. <laughs> Isaiah 11.1. 1. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from his root shall bear fruit. Through the line of King David will come a Messiah. That's Jesus. Ready? Here we go. And then you're going to go, oh my gosh, I can't believe I didn't see this. Verse 2. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of God and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness, he shall judge. Man, isn't that a beautiful description of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives? He is the one that helps us be guided and directed and empowered. Jesus said, I will ask the Father and he'll give you another helper, the Spirit of truth. He went on to say, this helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance all that I said to you. We need more Holy Spirit. We need more wisdom. We need to live more powerfully, more rightly. So let me close it out. I'm going to give you five practical insights on what wisdom is just to get you percolating for the next series. Here we go. You ready? Write these down. Five practical truths about godly wisdom. And we'll finish. Five practical truths about godly wisdom. Number one, it's life smart. It's life smart. L-I-F-E. It's life smart. What do I mean? It's not about book smarts versus street smarts. It's life smart. It takes facts and infuses them with purpose and meaning. That's wisdom. Number two, wisdom is what to do with information. Wisdom is what to do with information. It's connecting the dots. Immaturity says, I have the knowledge, I'm good. Yeah, but you don't know what to do with it. Our world is overloaded with information, but we are none the wiser. Knowledge, you see, is facts. Wisdom is connecting the right facts to make the right decision. Okay? Number three. Wisdom realizes there's another way to look at it. Wisdom realizes there's another way to look at it. Wisdom never blindly accepts things. It looks at all sides. You don't live off assumption. You live off truth. That's what wisdom does. Number four. Wisdom follows the less traveled reality. Wisdom follows the less traveled reality. In other words, it looks into the God real and it does not allow anyone else to design out a fantasy. Number five, wisdom is holistic and systematic. Wisdom is holistic and systematic. What does that mean? It understands that all of reality is a delicate ecosystem. You mess with one part, it's gonna screw up another part. You are not allowed to believe two opposite truths. You cannot say that God is good in church, but God is bad on your deathbed. Y'all tracking with me? Wisdom thinks through how they all interrelate and is systematic so that it all is cohesive. That's wisdom. Can I have the prayer team come on up here as we close? Here's what to expect this year. I want you to expect fresh revelation. 
If you're not hearing fresh revelation, we probably didn't do our jobs. I want you to expect your cage to get rattled because we will challenge you. We're doing team teaching a lot this year, so you're going to see a lot more of Pastor Parnell, a lot more of Pastor Brian. We will challenge you. We're going to challenge the status quo. We're going to poke holes in assumption. Only the humble will receive. Expect refreshing clarity, dispelling lies. And lastly, make sure that you are ready to make some life changes with what you learn. Because if we just simply learn it and we don't do anything different, we lose. Okay, here's what we're going to pray. We have a prayer team up here for anything that you need prayer for. But here's the key. I'm going to pray wisdom over you. But if you need a little bit more and the Holy Spirit is whispering to you saying you need to get prayer... Here's where I would like to focus. If you are currently struggling with the issue of why, God, why is this happening? Why me? Why can't it be like this? If you are constantly struggling, needing wisdom and clarity, I want you to come up and get some prayer. God desires to reveal himself and his ways. The books of James says, if anyone lacks wisdom, you just got to pray. God wants you to know. Let me pray over you. Holy Spirit, you're the revealer of all things. I'm asking, Lord, that this morning you would allow the scales like Paul the Apostle had upon his eyes to fall from ours. I'm praying, Lord, that you would allow us to see what you see. But Holy Spirit, we also need the power to do something about it. That God, I see an awful lot of stuff I'm still not addressing. My spirit seems willing, but my flesh seems weak. I'm asking that my friends and family sitting here before me, that we would be caught up in your movement of wisdom. That, Lord, that we would begin to rethink all that we know and realign it with your spirit. To realign it with the, the power and clarity in the word of God. That, Lord, that we would no longer allow the world to tell us how things work, but we would only trust you. God, be glorified this year. Be glorified in our lives. Show us people that we can invite people that you love, that we love, that don't have a church home, that may don't even know you. But God, you put them on our heart for a reason. Father, fill this building with fresh people of God that you might be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.